All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside, back at it once again in the Twidwell Studios with just myself and the guy that I started this show with, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo himself, Eddie Ortiz. Yo-Yo-Yo. Episode 94. We're so glad to be here. For all of our newly acquired live streamers, YouTubers, and the OG podcasters that are here with us as we speak, Thank you so much for allowing us to play a small part in your time whenever the time is that you actually are tuning in to listen to us talk some sports. We are so happy to be here. Uh, it is a rather great time uh, as a Chiefs fan, uh, as you guys would imagine. It's been a challenging year, as we like to acknowledge each and every episode. We all have our own struggles. We all have our own issues to deal with on a daily basis, but we like to come in here for a couple of hours and give you some distraction, if you will, or give you a break from the norm, the monotony, the the stresses and anxieties that we deal with on a day-in and day-out basis, and we hope that we provide that with you to you guys consistently each and every episode. And, and, th- and this is a time uh, where most of us, if not all of us, tend to be thankful and grateful for what we have. We reflect on not only just the year in itself, but our lives as a whole as to what we have and who we have and why we're grateful for what we have and who we have. And some of you might not know because most of you, most of our listeners, our podcasters, our audience, a lot of you are probably from the generation of the spoken when we started this podcast back in February of 2019. But a lot of you may not know that this has been something that's been going on now for 10 years. This week in December of 2010, a kid that was in his early 20s, wanted to make something of himself, wanted to give himself something to keep himself busy, his mind busy, and give other people a platform and an opportunity to speak their minds as well. And what this young guy happened to be passionate about was uh, was sports. And he knew that there was a lot of people in his own family and friends and, and people out there that he hasn't even met yet that had a, a similar passion, a similar drive. And Although there's so many different shows and there's so many different uh, platforms and so many different groups out there, this young guy still wanted to make his own thing and he wanted uh, his voice to be heard and he wanted other people's voices to be heard. And that's when The Spoken was created. Now, I'm not trying to make this into a a cool little catchy story. The, The young man I'm talking about is myself. And I don't like talking about myself very often, but this is something I'm very proud of. Um, what we do here on the Spoken Podcast alone is incredible. And we have, we have gotten to interact with countless people, and we have met countless individuals that have been so valuable to what we do here on the Spoken Podcast and what we do on this group. And I, 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 it's, it's hard for me to really put into words what these last 10 years have been like. 
And I haven't talked to Eddie and I haven't talked to Trev. I haven't talked to Gad and anybody else that's a part of this show or any any of my good friends about this. I've kept this very much on on, on the down low. And, and I, I I didn't write anything this week. I didn't I didn't really put anything uh, together on purpose because I wanted this episode in particular to be a lot like what it was when I first started this raw authentic not that we not that we don't give you that each and every week anyway but I wanted this to be an episode that really really mirrors what my desire was from the very beginning and I and I will be honest I think that this show I think that our group I think that all of our social media platforms and every person that's attached to this has really held tight to what the vision that I had as a as a young 22-year-old kid, what I wanted to see come about. And it was a slow start. I mean, I was doing YouTube videos of Chiefs games, my reactions to – I was going to every single training camp practice for three years. And during the process, I met Shaggy Shane. I met, I met Clay Wendler. I met BJ Kissel. I met all the guys at Arrowhead Pride at Craig Stout and, and, and Kent Swanson and Matt Lane, Jay Binkley at 6'10", Ryan Witowski. I've met so many incredible people. I've gotten to know the Mahomes family at an intimate level. Uh, They're like family to us these days. And it's to be able to wrap my mind around that is needless to say a a very challenging thing for me to do in the most humbling way ever because I don't feel that I'm deserving of being in the position that we're in. Not that we've made it and we're making millions doing this, but – to see where it's come in this decade that, that we've been a show and we've been a group of people that are passionate about sports. I mean, it, it just, it really honestly leaves me speechless. And then anybody knows me at, at a personal level or just listens to the show, that's very difficult for you to get me to not have words. But I wanted to start tonight's show off um, by just simply echoing those sentiments, by letting you guys know that these last 10 years – have been as enjoyable as they possibly could have been because having because I have you guys in my life. I know we I know at the, at the core of it, it's just a bunch of sports fans, and most of us will never meet in person. Most of us will never have an actual relationship as friends or close relatives or anything of that nature. But that's the beauty of what we do here. If we didn't have the spoken, if we didn't have this, most of us would never know each other. Never meet. Never even knew we existed. And I can be a, I'm a that's a, there's a personal testament to all of that. I, I've, I've had so many friends that helped me start this thing that are now great friends with people that are from across the globe that simply met in this little group, this little chat that we started here on Facebook. So on December 6th of 2010, when I made the decision that we needed to make this thing official, because I was honestly just annoying all my family and friends from high school and people that I've grown up with, I was annoying them with all my Facebook posts. And I had somebody ask me, hey, man, why don't you just start something on Facebook as a group so that way you're not annoying all these people. You're getting like-minded individuals or people that want to see that type of content. And it all it all clicked, and it was all downhill from there. And we can sit here, and we can continue to reminisce, and I can tell you guys all these incredible stories. And trust me, I got many of them. And most of them, if not all of them, are possible simply just for having you guys around. But I just I wanted to start this episode, episode 94, on the right foot. And, and let you guys know that that these 10 years would not have been possible if I didn't have you guys here. If I had never met Eddie Ortiz and Trevor, my brother, helping me, you know, steering me in the right direction and making this show what it is. Because I, although I'm the, I'm the one that runs my mouth the most, I, I, you know, it doesn't mean that I always know what I'm talking about. 
And I'll admit that. And I need people around me that are going to continue to guide me in the right direction and guide this show in the right direction. And I told Eddie from the very beginning that if this isn't fun, we're not going to do it. We need to have fun. We need to make this into something that we look forward to. And I can honestly tell you guys, despite how stressful life can be, especially over these last 12 months, every single episode, I have a blast. Every single time we get together, whether it's live stream or whether we're doing right what we're doing right now on a podcast, it is the that is what I look forward to all week long. Because I get to express my thoughts, my viewpoints, my opinions, how I see things at the current time in this in the world of sports. I get to relay that to you guys and I get feedback from you. You know, with the Monday mailbag, with hold this L, with the Eddie Hour. It's all interaction. It's not about me wanting – because like I said, there's so many different platforms out there where you just listen to somebody talk the whole time. And they just want to tell you what they think or how they feel about something. And that's okay. And maybe one of these days I'll have a show like that. But as long as the spoken exists, as long as this is what it is, that's not how this is going to be. You guys matter. This show only exists as long as you are around as long as your interest is peaked, as long as you are what drives it. And so I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very humbling thing. I, I didn't know that it would ever reach 10 years. I never thought it would get this far, but I am so glad it did. And you can call it, you know, my life's work, my passion project, whatever it is. But I, I literally guys, I would not have been able to do it if I did not have all of you guys in it because I would have got bored. And I would have felt like I was just talking it to a wall in an echo chamber. And that is not interesting, and that sure as shit is not fun. Thank you for making this not fun. Thank you for giving me something to look forward to each and every day, interacting with you guys on Facebook and, and Twitter and social media as a whole, and especially on this show. I mean, we, we have regulars on the show. We have Donnie Couch. We have Billy Hodge. We have Shaggy Shane, obviously. We have so many of you guys that are so involved in this. That's what we look forward to, man. And I don't want to speak for Eddie. I don't want to speak for Trevor. They can, they always can speak for themselves. But for myself, somebody that wanted to start this thing, just as some young guy that wanted to talk sports with a, gr- a group of people, to be able to have you guys to interact with every day, man, I-, I hope you guys understand that this is something that I cherish and I value every single day, every single moment of every single day. And I hope you guys stick with us in 2021 and beyond because I promise you this, things are only going to get better from here. And the Spoken Podcast the spoken as a whole is going to continue to grow. And it's because of people like you guys that are listening to this, this very second that share our videos, that share our podcasts, that share what we do and, and, and speak your mind, quite frankly, that's, what's important to me is knowing how you guys think, how you guys feel about something. That's why it's called the spoken. The people that speak, speak their minds. That's what we want. And I could not thank you guys enough for being a part of this and continuing to be a part of this. And I am very much excited for what's to come. And looking back, I could not be happier. I could not feel more humbled. And I could not be more grateful for every single one of you, for every single person that has participated along the way. And I hope you stick around because, like I said, it's going to continue to be fun. I hope it's always fun for you guys. So that's it. That's the mushy stuff because we have a lot to talk about tonight, guys. we got to get to the Eddie Hour. we got to talk about some, some Chiefs football. What took place in that Broncos game this last week with the Chiefs? how exhausting that game was in, in, in totality. Chiefs got a victory, yes. And I told you guys on an opening monologue just a couple weeks ago that I'm going to try my very best, and I hope all you guys try your very best just to try and enjoy 
what we're watching from this Chiefs team, but it was rough. It was very rough, and we're going to definitely talk about that. We also got a preview. The Chiefs going to Miami because the last time they were in Miami, they were hosting the Lombardi Trophy. Now it's a little bit different. The context is different, but there is a young potential budding star that Patrick Mahomes can be going against in Tua Tungabailoa. There's there's some interesting viewpoints on this game, guys. There's a lot of different opinions swaying on this one, and I definitely want to give you guys my thoughts. I'm going to get Eddie's thoughts on that. We're going to open up the Monday mailbag. We're going to get some L's handed out, guys. It's going to be a fun night, and I hope you're ready for it. So strap in. Get ready. I hope wherever you're doing, if you're drinking your Saturday morning coffee or you're taking a jog, I hope you guys got some headbands on and some wristbands because it's going to get sweaty up in here. We're turning the, we're turning the temperature up to 88. I hope you guys are ready for it. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios. My guy, Eddie Ortiz. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Our guy, Trevor Twidwell. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, to say, he's slacking today. He's, he's had himself a, an evening. Um, uh, Trevor got held up at his day job. They've actually required, because obviously tis the season. Uh, everything's crazy right now in the in the holiday season. He's yeah. your local mailman, put it that way. <laughs> no, he does a lot more than just a fucking mailman. If you, need, mailman. If, you, if you need somebody to hold your packages, Trevor is the guy. <laughs> I'm going to leave that right there for you to figure that out and distinguish what that means. But, no, he had hit himself a night, and he had some uh, he had some car issues and things of that nature. So it's been, a, it's been rel- relatively stressful for Trevor tonight. But I promise you guys he'll be back on the – Episode 95, he was really wanting to be here, so uh, he just wanted me to let you guys know that. But we're going to get to the Eddie Hour now because I'm assuming that Eddie's got some juicy topics and questions for me tonight. So I'm not going to hold him back any longer. I think he's ready to go. He's he's, he's rubbing his hands and his nipples at the same time. Let's get this thing going, man, because I'm getting a little sick of watching that. All right, man. Uh, let's let's get it going. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the NBA first. Um NBA preseason tips off tonight, which I think is already – I think a couple games are already on. Um, will we see another bubble come playoff time? Is, is that something that's a possibility or, or what are we thinking here? I, I, think it's, I think it's definitely a possibility, and honestly, they should keep that definitely in their back pocket or maybe even in their front pocket because of the fact that it, everything is still so unpredictable and up in the air. As far as – when I say everything, I mean literally our world as a, as a whole, as a society – we don't know how the vaccine is going to work. We don't know when we're all going to be able to get it. I know that it's been said that 100 million people in 100 days or 100 vaccines in 100, 100, 100 million vaccines in 100 days is what we're being told at this time. So hopefully that is the case because if that is the case in the first 100 days, we're making great, great response to what's going on, hopefully, finally. Um, but, but just to protect the brand and protect these players in particular – Yes, a bubble potential has to happen. Quite frankly, not to dive off to another league, but the NFL needs to be considering that too because of the way that everything is starting to ramp up with COVID tests, a lot of positive tests in the NFL as people are starting to gather for 
holiday season and things of that nature. I, I would really hope that the, the NBA uh, puts that in, in, in serious consideration. The good part is, like I said, is that by that time, by the NBA playoff time, you're looking at uh, several months down the road. So hopefully we've made significant strides uh, in medicine and in, in, in science when it comes to COVID-19 and, and the novel virus uh, no longer becoming novel at that point. That's That's the hope. Okay, okay. I like it. I like it. All right, uh, next question. I want to get your thoughts on uh, the whole Kyrie getting fined $25,000 for not talking to the media and then going to, I think it was Instagram, and then posting something about that. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Let, let's, let's look at it in another profession, okay? Let's say you are in the service industry. Let's say you're a, um, a barista, Okay, I'm a big coffee guy. Let's say you, you, you're a barista and you make coffee. You, you serve people that. And you have this assumption, even though you took on the job, knowing good and well that with the job comes requirements outside of just simply making coffee for folks. There's also the cleaning and the prep and the cleaning up for the next day, things of that nature, right? What if I was to come into my job and tell my boss or the people surrounding my job that, hey – I'm not doing that. I'm not going to clean up. I'm not going to make sure we're prepped and ready to go for the next day. I'm not going to be placing orders with our wholesale providers. I'm not going to be doing any of those things. And then downgrading the people that do those jobs that require my assistance to make those jobs possible. That is literally what Kyrie Irving is doing in this instance. And it's and it's it's both shameful and not shocking at the same time. Because Kyrie Irving has built a reputation of doing shit like this, where he shows his ass constantly. He is an opinionated person, so I, I understand that he's a person that is not afraid to speak his mind, and I can respect that and, and just the and just that. But outside of that, I have zero respect for Kyrie Irving because of instances like this where him speaking his mind makes him look like an even bigger fool. And it's gotten so bad that the media has asked former teammates like Kevin Love, and I recommend everybody go listen to what Kevin Love said because he he tried to be very careful how he worded what he was saying. But in, in, in essence, Kevin Love basically refuted everything and rebuked everything that Kyrie Irving said and basically was, was, was angling it as we all have jobs to do. And as long as you're doing your job in a respectful manner, I'm going to do mine in a respectful manner in, in, in response to you doing your job in a respectful manner. It's not difficult. Kyrie Irving just has a problem because he has a significant ego. He thinks that his shit doesn't stink. And I'm not saying he's the only one that's like this. There's a lot of guys like that, not just the NBA, but across other leagues and in the world, quite frankly. But in this particular argument, this particular segment of time, the question you're asking me, I think it's despicable. I think it's horrendous because of the fact that he is disrespected and spit in the face of a lot of hardworking individuals that work their ass off to get those journalistic degrees and to earn their keep and to get to those places. Because it is not easy in that in that field. It is a dog-eat-dog dog world. We know that. We're in the field. And we know people out there that are constantly hustling and still haven't made it to that level. You got to get a break. You got to catch. You got to get to know people. You got to build relationships. You got to take years off your life. You got to lose sleep. You probably lose relationships and food and money and all these other things to get to that place, and he's shitting on them for wanting to simply do their job. Are there bad journalists? Are there people out there that are trying to spin narratives? Yes, they're, they're all out there. But that doesn't mean that that gives you the right and the justification to shit on all of them and make it seem as if they're pawns. Literally his words, I don't speak to pawns. You're basically saying you're better than other people. That's despicable. So 
yeah, I, I, if I had any respect for Kyrie, I would have, I would have lost all of it. Interesting, interesting. Seems like you uh, really don't like this guy. It's not about me not liking Kyrie. I just, I, I don't like his viewpoint on a lot of things in life. I don't know him, so I'm not going to sit here and say I like or dislike Kyrie. I stay out of people's personal lives. But what he has shown us in the limelight, I do not like. I think I think he's a person that tries to be woke, which is whatever. I don't care. If he thinks the earth's flat, whatever. I think it's stupid. But if he, he thinks those things, that's whatever. Conspiracy theories, whatever. But when you're sitting here and you're demeaning other human beings, I got a problem with that. Because human beings are human beings no matter what level or caste system you base your life around. I'm no better than anybody. So I hate it when I see other people act like that to other folks. I hate that. So Kyrie, maybe he's a good dude. Maybe he's just slipping up on his words. He needs to grow the hell up regardless. Whether he's a good dude, bad guy, whatever. He needs to grow the hell up. It's funny because it kind of it doesn't remind me of anybody, but it, it like it, it helps like uh, it makes me think of Kevin Durant. You got two of the biggest people that like I don't want to say dislike the media, but are constantly like uh, against some of the things that they say and are outspoken. So much so that Kevin Durant obviously has burner accounts to you know argue and defend himself pretty much. And these two players went to the biggest probably media market there is in probably the world. You can argue the world. So it just baffled me that the two. I guess the two players that can't handle the media went to like the biggest media market. I, I just don't get that. Yeah, that's funny. No, oh, and, and and I the so, irony. You and I have talked about this <laughs> off air, on air. I, I think I think this whole thing is going to blow up. They're really going to be a good team. I'm not going to say they're going to suck, but when it comes down to it, they're they're not going to be mentally strong enough to get to a title <laughs> game to win championships. That's not going to happen. That's funny. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, next question. I want to get your thoughts on that whole Paul George uh, Max deal with the Clippers. Man, there's so much to unpack on all this. Look, the Clippers are kind of hamstrung with all this because they they built their future around not just Kawhi Leonard but Paul George because he it was a package deal. We all knew that Kawhi was not going to the Clippers unless that he got Paul George. I was specific, and along with all the other diva bullshit that they had attached to it all, which is whatever. Um, but I, I will say that. I find it just at a fundamental level. I find it hilarious the things that Paul George is coming out with. Some of his statements, he's saying, "I'm all locked in," and you know, I, you know, I got my trainer back in my MVP season. First of all, he's never won an MVP, and he got close. I think what was it two years ago? Um, but it's funny to me that Paul George is choosing. He, you know, he reminds me of he, he reminds me of the kid that you're playing one on one with, and you're beating his ass like three or four games in a row, and all of a sudden he goes. All right, man, I'm playing for real now. I'm playing for real now. That's it. I'm playing for real. Like, we all knew that guy, right? We all knew that. And some of us may have even been that guy, whatever. But to sit here directly after the bubble and say that, when the bubble was specifically for what? To play basketball. And he was on a team that was the prohibitive favorite to win the title. People were picking the Clippers long before the season even began, before coronavirus, coronavirus was even known. People were saying the Clippers are going to win this title. They're going to, as soon as Kawhi and Paul George went to LA as a Clipper, they, people were picking them. So the expectations were there. He went there to win titles according to what his initial statements were to go to LA with Kawhi. And you go to the bubble specifically to do what? To go play basketball. There's no other distractions. There's nothing else going on. You just have that and you have those expectations. 
And after you you bow out early in the semifinals, you now want to tell us at 30, soon to be 31 years old, that you're locked in now. What changed? Why are you locked in now? Why weren't you locked in beforehand? The money. Exactly. That is my whole point. This is not about winning to Paul George. He got his money, and that is what he was looking for. And I'm happy for him because go get your money. I want to see everybody rich. That'd be great to see everybody have money, excessive amounts of money to do whatever they want to do. That's the dream. But don't sit here and bullshit me and tell me that you're locked in and ready to win now. That should have been the situation from the day from day one. So I have a problem with Paul George. I don't think he's an honest person. I think he likes to I think he likes to get sympathy. I like I think he likes to play the victim a lot because he knows that he is gonna be forever known as one of these guys that never won a championship. He's gonna always be known as a great or good but not great all time player. And that's and that's where he's at. And I think it's tough for him to handle that because you gotta think, these guys growing up, they're the best in their AAUs, they're the best in their high schools. And they come to the league, and you have to play against LeBron James. You have to play against Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and these other all-time great guys. I would imagine that's tough for them to accept. But instead of trying to be better, he's sitting here making excuses, and now in his 30s is trying to tell me that he's locked in. Give me a break. Give me a break, man. You've been on teams that can win titles, just like last season. No excuse. Couldn't even get to the freaking Western Conference Finals. I, I ain't buying it. Did, did Paul George change who he was after that, after he broke his leg, do you think? I, I don't want to speak for someone else's mind or how they how they cope with things. I mean, that's a significant injury. It's amazing he's even playing basketball still. Um, I would imagine it did change him to, to a certain degree if I'm just speaking from the outside looking in. I mean, I know it would change me. But I don't know if that is what is changed him as a – as to what his focus is, if that makes sense. I don't think that's the end-all, be-all. Because, obviously, he wanted a chance to win a title because he went and teamed up with Kawhi Leonard on a team that had championship aspirations. If he wanted just just to collect money, simply collect money, he would have stayed in Indiana. He could have went and got a Supermax somewhere else. He could have stayed with OKC. There's a lot of things he could have done. So I'm not going to sit here and say that winning doesn't mean anything to him. I'm just saying that it's rather convenient that you're saying that now after the Lakers just won a title in your own city, after you moved there, and you know you're getting shit on because everyone was penciling you guys into the finals, you couldn't even get to the Western Conference finals. This to me sounds like an excuse. Oh, I'm ready to go now. I'm ready to go now. No, no, no. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You're just you're just not good enough. All right, man. Let's, let's go to the NFL now. Uh, this next question. Should... Christian McCaffrey sit out for the rest of the season. Yes. Um, the Panthers have no real shot of getting to the playoffs. I know that they they went out, but they, they'll make the playoffs or they'll have a chance. Christian McCaffrey, especially at the position that he plays and the money he's now making or he's going to be making, the Panthers are a young team with a, with a first-year coach, Matt Rule, who went all defense in this last draft, which means he's trying to stockpile – and build a winning team. And I love what he's doing. I think he's going to. I think the Panthers are going to be the team of the future in the NFC South. But in order for them to be at that level quicker, they're going to need a healthy Christian McCaffrey, who's only 24 years old right now. If you want to extend his prime, don't be don't be getting him out there on unnecessary hits and getting beat up in games that don't matter. And let's be honest. Right now, this team, this Panthers team, is building for the future. They're not trying to win right now. Maybe they have that mentality, but, but Matt Rule knows he's safe. 
ain't going nowhere. The Panthers aren't going to fire him. They have a stopgap quarterback at Teddy Bridgewater. They don't have their franchise quarterback in the waiting, so they're not even at the place yet where they can actually take off. So why in the process of not even being able to launch yet would you have your star player getting unnecessarily beaten up and bruised in games that aren't going to account for anything? So in my opinion, if I'm the Panthers, I do my own version of tanking. I sit and, and, and honestly, it works out perfectly because McCaffrey's already banged up. So you can use the excuse and say he's not healthy to play. He's going to sit out for the remainder of the season, and then you fight for the best seed possible. That's what they need to go for. They need to get that top ten pick. They need to try to get themselves a quarterback, and then see what happens. They got a lot of cap space coming up. This team can be really good, really quick, and you want a healthy Christian McCaffrey because he will significantly change the infrastructure of your franchise if he's healthy with a good team around him. The only reason I asked that question is because earlier today I read somewhere that I believe he is healthy enough to to play this weekend. I don't know what the enough is, but yeah, I'm with you. I I just wouldn't if I'm if I'm rule. I just wouldn't risk it at all. I would just like you know what, just take a seat. And back I'm sure McCaffrey wants it. to play. I'm sure McCaffrey's chomping at the bit and begging to play. He's a competitor. Yep. But you got to look out for the best interest, not only your player, but for the team as a whole. Uh-huh. And if McCaffrey's going to be your franchise running back, he's as, he's as valuable to the Panthers as Saquon Barkley is to the Giants. And I guarantee you, if the Giants – if let's say Saquon Barkley was healthy right now and the Giants weren't in contention, I have a hard time believing Saquon's out there getting beat up. I have a, I have a significant belief the Giants say, okay, hey, you're not playing this week. <laughs> you know what I mean? So can't have you tearing your ACL in a, in a game like that. And that can happen at any given time. Yeah. And then we kind of had this conversation earlier in the week, um, and you brought up a, a a good, interesting point, but I don't think uh, all our listeners know what that point was. So what NFL team should go after Carson Wentz after this season and why? The Indianapolis Colts need to trade for Carson Wentz. Uh, it, it, it makes too much sense for a lot of reasons. One, the Colts have some of the most cap. They have, I think, the most cap space going into 2021 of all teams. I could be wrong, but I know they're one of the like top three. They have draft capital that they can trade for. It's out of the conference. The Eagles are in the NFC, the Colts in the AFC. Phillip Rivers is 39 years old and will not be back next season. Jacoby Brissett, their backup quarterback, is not a franchise quarterback. Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles three years ago with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz is a is a good quarterback. And I know we, we talked about this last week. Is, is he broken? Is he a bust? At this current time, yeah. He's broken. He's been a bust in a lot of ways. But he's 27 years old. And in, in Indianapolis, he, he would go from having, in Philadelphia, the worst offensive line and some of the worst weapons in the NFL to the best offensive line and some really good uh, three-headed monster in the backfield with T.Y. Hilton, and good weapons around him, and a really good defense, and more importantly, it's a young team. And Frank Reich is a damn good coach. And the the AFC South, I mean, the Texans are a mess. The Titans are good right now, but Ryan Tannehill's 32, soon to be 33 years old. How much longer is that going to really be a thing? You're, you're, they're relying on Derrick Henry, running backs at that magnitude that run that much, wear down quick. He's going to be nearing his late 20s soon. And let's not even talk about Jacksonville. So the Colts have a grand opportunity here to get back to the Peyton Manning era where you get yourself a Carson Wentz healthy and ready to go, the most talented quarterback that they've had since Andrew Luck. All of a sudden, your your fortune can change. I'm not saying that Carson Wentz would be a fix-all because they still have to build a roster around him, but they got a head start. 
So I think if there was a single team right now, there's going to be other teams that are going to be looking for Carson, but they're going to have to pay a lot of money. He's got over $60 million guaranteed to his name right now. So the Colts are going to eat a lot of that, but it makes a lot of sense because the Eagles have pretty much stated at this time, he is not our future. We're going to give Jalen Hurts an opportunity. It sucks for Jalen Hurts because his first start's going to come against the number one defense against the Saints this week. So he's probably going to get pummeled. But regardless, they've made their they've made their mind up. And you can't go into next season trying to convince their fan base to go back to Carson Wentz when you just benched him in week 13. doesn't make sense. So he's got to go, and I think the Colts are the perfect landing spot for Carson Wentz. And the Eagles will get a hole in return. You'll get draft picks. You'll get assets. You might even get some cap relief. Who knows? All I do know is I think it's perfect for both sides. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, last question, and I was saving this for the end because this is going to be a good question. So you're a big fan of Colin Coward. Um, you listen to him uh, religiously every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And one of his takes is that Aaron Rodgers leads Mahomes in the MVP. I want to hear your thoughts on that. I don't know how much time we have left in this segment. Um, I was going to bring it up later, but I'm glad you brought it up now. Um, I, I'm, un- I'm uncomfortably upset with, with Colin about this. I know he has a show, and he has it's an entertainment show, so he, he needs to get reactions out of people. He's, he's one of the best to ever do it. I think he's the best in the business uh, at this current time in sports uh, media. But he, he's, he's, he's severely and irresponsibly wrong. Um. For a lot of reasons, and, and I can play the quote later so everybody can understand what he said because I'm sure some of you guys didn't hear what he said. But in essence, he's he's making the, the the justification, and it's funny because all season long from like week one to week eight, he was saying Russell Wilson's the runaway MVP. Wasn't even talking about Aaron Rodgers. Now all of a sudden it's all Aaron Rodgers, all Aaron Rodgers. And meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes has been consistent through the whole season. Regardless, he's saying that Aaron Rodgers is the most valuable player in the NFL right now and probably has been for the last decade – because the Packers need him more than he needs them, which I don't disagree with, but his justification in, in comparison to Patrick Mahomes is so off. And he's saying, you know, I'm not saying that the Patrick Mahomes ain't great, but, you know, the Chiefs have won, you know, a Super Bowl with Len Dawson. They've been to the playoffs with other quarterbacks like Joe Montana and Alex Smith. And and I heard that, and I, and I got upset because I felt like, not, not because he's just wrong, but because I feel like Colin's so much better than that. Like, that is such a lazy thing to say, and it's for obvious reasons. For anybody that doesn't know, Lynn Dawson did win a Super Bowl with the Chiefs in 1969. Just just so, for some math here, guys, that was 36 years before Patrick Mahomes was born. That has nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes' value. That was a whole different generation. That wasn't even in the modern era. The modern era began in 1970, for Christ's sake. So what does that got to do with anything, first of all? And second of all, from 1994 to 2017, 24 seasons, the Chiefs had one playoff win. Yeah, they went to the playoffs a lot in those 24, 25 years. They had one playoff win. Right before Aaron Rodgers took over in 2008 with the Packers, from 1993 to 2007, they had this quarterback by the name of Brett Favre that Colin Coward conveniently left out of this discussion. Never mentioned him. That's convenient. You know why he didn't? Because it would destroy his arguments. Because during from 1993 to 2007, which, by the way, is almost is 10 years shorter than the, the span I just told you about the Chiefs, in that span, 
They won 12 playoff games and a Super Bowl. So, so explain to me, if we're going to do the history lesson here, how Aaron Rodgers, by your own argument, is more valuable than Patrick Mahomes, who has won four playoff games since 2018 and is going to be in his third AFC championship in a row when the Chiefs went to one AFC championship from 1969 to 1994. Explain that to me, how that, how that takes away from Mahomes' value and that makes Aaron Rodgers somehow more valuable doesn't make any sense. I'm the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan imaginable. I love him. He's extremely valuable. And if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes, I would vote for him for the MVP. But if you even look at the common opponents of this season, go look at the Bucs game of Aaron Rodgers and then go look at the Bucs game with Patrick Mahomes and see what they did against that same team. Aaron Rodgers got his his shit kicked in. They lost 38-10. to He had a 45 quarterback rating, 136 yards, zero touchdowns passing, and two interceptions. Patrick Mahomes had 462 yards and three touchdowns and a 135 quarterback rating. Common opponents. So if we're going to really break it all down from a historic standpoint or from a current standpoint... You can't tell me Aaron Rodgers is the more valuable player. It doesn't make sense. So, Colin, as much as as great as as much as I respect him, as much as I love the guy, he is so far off, and it upsets me it's such a great deal because it's irresponsible. It's it is fake news, literally fake news, to where people are going to turn around and go, "Yeah, he's right," and they're just going to buy this shit without understanding any of the context. It's so baffling, and it's so lazy, and hopefully Nick Wright gets on his show soon and corrects his ass about this because it's one of the, one of his laziest takes, to be honest. And I, I get it. He has a narrative to spin. He tries to downplay Patrick Mahomes. He always has. In 2018, he did the same thing. In week 14, when Patrick Mahomes had over 40 touchdowns already, he said, the MVP race is Drew Brees, Andrew Luck, and then who cares? This was already almost through the whole season. Guess who won MVP, Eddie? Fucking Patrick Mahomes. That's exactly what's going to happen in 2020. Right. I, it just, it's, it's very upsetting. I, I, I despise it because I'm just some I'm just some regular dude. And Colin doesn't understand this unless he just has, like I said, the narrative to drive. I don't I don't get where his mind's at and all that. All right, that's it for me, dude. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. That's it for me. All right, guys. Well, unfortunately, you have to listen to me uh, talk a little bit more football because our next segment uh, is in regards to two. Games We like to do a little review from the previous game and a preview for the upcoming game of the Chiefs. And in particular, this one is about the Broncos game last Sunday night in Arrowhead. And then we're going to talk about the game in Miami this coming Sunday afternoon against the Dolphins. Cannot wait to unpack all this. We'll get back to that after this. KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at KC Hemp Co. Hey, yo. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios with my guy, Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Trevor Twidwell is on the shelf for the night. But he will be back, so will his car <laughs> next week. It's, it is funny, though, man, because this is actually how we started the show. Trevor, yeah. A lot of people think Trevor's been with us since the beginning. I think episode two was his first episode. 
And he was only here as a guest. Yeah, and I remember remember how ghetto we used to have the show. We used to have the mic. We we taped the microphone to a pop filter. Oh, yeah. And it was like one of those like backup choir mics. Yeah. And, and no one could hear what Trevor was saying. It sounded like he was talking out of a tinfoil can, like, can. It was so bad. But, man, yeah, we've come a long way with this. But, like, <laughs> but it was, those were humble times, man. Those fun times, too. But uh, nevertheless, man, we got some chief stuff to talk about, guys, because um, – we have a big game coming up this week, obviously, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But as we do every single week, it seems like over the last several weeks, we like to review uh, what took place the, the the previous Sunday. And I'll be honest, I thought that, you know, I think we all thought that the Chiefs are going to come into this week and just take care of business. Uh, just, just, you know, the Broncos are not in any way, shape, or form in the same class. We even had Zach Stevens from DMVR Sports on the show last week talking about it out there from Denver, and he was of the same mind that we were, that this probably wasn't going to be a close game, that the Broncos were going to take a lick in, and it was just going to be over, and their season was going to be over, and that would be that, and then they work on the draft and try to build from there. Well, look, man, this game was not fun. (laughs) As a Chiefs fan, and and again, I don't want to be the guy that nitpicks because they did win, and I get all that, and it's the 11th straight victory um, and, and we can break down all the positives about it, which is the most important part. But just because we're here and because we do a show, we're going to break some of this stuff down. Um, the Chiefs absolutely let the Broncos stick around. The Broncos really didn't do much in this game. I, I will give their defense a little credit because I think they played pretty well. I think Vic Fangio had his guys prepared. And the Broncos don't have a terrible defense by any stretch of the imagination. But the Chiefs let them stick around. Uh, this game should have never been close. And the Broncos should have never had a lead late in the game. And for some damn reason, the Chiefs cannot convert third downs against the Broncos. And the Chiefs, since Mahomes has been their starting quarterback, has been by far the best team on third downs, the best offense on third downs. I'm talking by a mile. But this season, the Chiefs went 3 of 18 on third downs against the Broncos. 3 of 18! Like, that's Alex Smith era, third downs. <laughs> now, what's crazy about this game is if you look at the totals, the Chiefs put up 400, almost 450 total yards, even though they could not run the ball all night. Again, Patrick Mahomes had statistically a really good game, but there wasn't there wasn't anything I felt like the Chiefs, like they put their foot down. It never, it never happened. In the Tampa Bay game a couple weeks ago, in the first quarter, like, okay, the Chiefs are whooping that ass tonight. Like, they're going to go for 50. They let up. The Bucks kind of answered back a little bit. But in this game against the Broncos, the Broncos, because of the fact they don't have a franchise quarterback, they really couldn't answer back. And they, they really couldn't get anything going offensively against the Chiefs on a consistent basis. So, in the, in the scoring total, in the, in, the, in the scoring aspect of things for the defense on the Chiefs side, overall, it was a good game. But I was very upset with the offense, so much so that I was of the place. I'm like, look, I just want this game to be over with. I remember I was talking to Trevor during the game. I was like, this game has mentally and emotionally and physically worn me down because this game should not have been this close. It's almost like the Chiefs have this obsession with with giving us games that are just going to stress us the fuck out as fans. Because I don't know, and maybe that's how you. I don't know how you see it, but that's how I see it. Because, and and I know that. Being as great as they are and have been for so long now, it is tough to get up for games like that against a team you know you're just better than and you're going to beat if you give them a D effort. And that's what the Chiefs gave. In fact, I'm going to say it. The Chiefs gave an F effort in this game. 
That was a minimum at best effort by the Chiefs. They came out there, did not play good good offensive football. They were not getting in the in the end zone on a consistent basis. And and the red zone, the red zone issues are a concern. I will contextualize them though. Because of the fact they're not as bad as people think they are. The Chiefs are 0-7 in their last seven offensive drives in the red zone when it comes to touchdowns. Fair enough. But a lot of those, three of them actually, were on two-minute drives, two-minute offense, which means that you're trying to get a field goal anyway. And that's what ended up happening in three of them. The other two, there was a drop pass that ended up being a fourth down and a fumble recovery on Patrick Holmes against the Bucs. So... If we're really like going to contextualize these, the, the offense hasn't struggled as bad as we think they have. My problem, though, especially in this game against the Broncos, is the Chiefs had multiple opportunities to put the Broncos away, and instead they got cute with the play calling. And I really was a, I was getting upset with Andy Reid because of the fact that you have the best quarterback in the NFL with some of the best weapons in the NFL throw in the end zone. Remember in 2018 when Patrick Mahomes was making his name? Some of his best plays were when he was throwing in the back of the end zone to his targets. We don't see that anymore for some damn reason. Now, I know the defenses will adjust. I get that. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult for Patrick Mahomes to do that on a consistent basis. However, when you have guys that you know are going to get open on a consistent basis or you can create space for them and throw them open on a consistent basis – Take those shots. I'm so sick of seeing the jet sweep motions and these double reverses and all these cute trickery plays. Those are cool when you're leading by 21 in a game that you know you're going to win. But when you're trailing, you might want to get something that's a little bit more efficient. And the whole Tyreek Hill thing with with the catch that wasn't a catch. I'm not going to blame Tyreek because in a play like that, everything's going 100 miles an hour. You can't really collect your mind sometimes. What I will say, though, is that Tyreek should have gone up and said, I caught that ball. Because if he would have simply said that, the ref would have had to look at it. And then they would have seen, okay, he caught that ball. That's a touchdown. And that would have changed the entire landscape of that game. Andy Reid shouldn't have been so quick to get his punt team out there to punt the ball away. Let things process a little bit. And third of all, the referees, by the way, my God, have they been awful this year, league-wide. <laughs> but the fact that that ref is right there, literally feet, like a few feet away, and didn't see that, and didn't talk to his other peers about that. Like, it was all just a, it was a clusterfuck. But that was a catch. It should have been ruled a touchdown. It wasn't ruled a touchdown. It was very frustrating how that all came about. And and and, and in totality, and, we, and I'm going to get your thoughts on this, Eddie, I'm glad they came out with a victory, and that's what kind of eased it all up. But the fact that the Chiefs were so bad – and third downs, and and missed opportunities in the end zone. Those are the types of things you cannot let become become a trend. I don't think they're going to become a trend. I don't I don't feel that the Chiefs are going to allow it to become a trend. But they cannot rest on their laurels. They cannot rest on what they've been doing. They got to continue to get hot because we're getting to that time of the season where you're going to have to get everything right because playoffs are coming. I mean, before we know it, man, we're, we're weeks away from the playoffs being here. January is going to be here very quickly, and it was a very frustrating game a game that I really hope the Chiefs don't forget because, you know, people say, let's just forget that one. Let's go after the next one. No, I want them to remember that game for the rest of the season, how they have to avoid that at all costs because you're not going to be facing the Broncos in January. Yeah, uh, it was a a tough, tough game, tough game to watch. 
it wasn't it wasn't entertaining at all whatsoever. Um, and 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 last episode, I did say don't be surprised if this game is is closed by half. And then the Chiefs, obviously, I thought they were gonna you know get away with the score, but obviously we we saw that it wasn't. And, and my concern every single week is gonna be this defense. Uh, we made uh, we made Drew Locke look amazing out there in some of these throws. Our guys are just like leaving men wide open. They're just not doing their job. I don't I don't know what's happening with this defense. Uh yes, they stepped up uh they stepped up their game towards the end of the game uh with that interception and, and stuff like that, but my concerns are still with this defense. This defense is not built to 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 win championships at this moment. I don't know what's wrong with this defense, but this defense will not survive in the playoffs. I I, I don't think it'll, it's it's gonna come down to Mahomes and actually you know being Mahomes and doing Mahomes magic to to survive in the playoffs if this defense does not get their act together. With the offense, I don't know I don't know what what is with the offense. Sometimes they like to start slow or just let you know just let uh lift their foot off the pedal. And, and they don't keep on pushing and pushing and pushing. It looks like they they go three and out, right? And, and and it looks like they just completely give up. They're like, oh, you know, we're not we're not that good or something. I don't know what happens with their minds or whatever, but they just are not clicking after like a three and out or something like that. When they, when they're stopped and they got a punt, they start like to not click. They start like getting into their own heads. I don't know. Like they question if they're really good and stuff like that. It's just frustrating. I understand it's an AFC uh, AFC West opponent, but it's the Broncos. They don't have like you said. They don't have a franchise quarterback. This was a game for the Chiefs to to possibly make a statement and say, "Hey, that that uh, that uh, Raiders game that we lost was a was a you know fluke, nothing serious." This could have been a game where the Chiefs blew the Broncos out, kind of like what the Patriots did to the Chargers. This was that time, that game where the Chiefs were like, we're still here. We're still the Chiefs from last se- last season. You said they put up a total of four, over 400 yards, total yards. You go back into the game and you're like, how? You, you honestly, I couldn't tell you like those big plays are just like, yeah, I can see 400 plus play. You look at that game, you're like, where did they get this 400? I can tell you why. And I can tell you why I felt that way. Because yeah. I felt the same way. It's like, there's no way they got because, over 400 yards. It's because of the results weren't there. Because the yes, results weren't there. Exactly. The Chiefs were moving the ball. Like, they were up and down the field all night. The they, problem was they could not they get the end finish. zone. On exactly. They, just, they settled with the field goals. And, and the first drive, the first drive, I think they got stopped in the like in the five yard line around there. And then Patrick Mahomes just looked at Andy Reid and he wanted that play. He went, "Give me the other play. Give me the other play. Give me the other play." And Andy Reid just sent the punt team out there. Yeah. If if this was if this was a let's say a, a playoff contending team, or a, you know like a a, a one seed kind of game thing. Like if you win, you get the one seed. If I win, I get the one seed at this moment. Mm-hmm. I understand going for points, you know, get all the points you can. But when you're going against a team that's out of the playoff picture, and, and honestly, it's not a very good football team this season. They have a, I think a number four, 
uh, red zone defense in the league. Got to give him credit. But at the same time, if you put that pressure on their quarterback to begin the game, you score seven, you go for it on fourth down and score those and score a touchdown. That's only going to create pressure on him. He's coming home. He has his family. He has family watching. He's going to feel the pressure. It's like, now I got to perform for my family. You know, like yeah. now I got to overperform. Make sure I can beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs defense was making it easy for him. He was just getting those throws and, you know, Philip Lindsay was just getting through the holes. I don't know what was happening. Yes, I, I, towards the end, the defense stepped up and did their thing, you know, kept them at uh, 17 points. And they, they got an interception and they stopped them and they did their thing. But yet again, they're still struggling. They They disappear for the first two quarters to three quarters now. And then they decided to come play football in the fourth quarter. It is so frustrating. We still don't know how to tackle. <laughs> I don't know if that's not something that is brought up in practice. I don't know if they do tackle the tackling drills in, in practice. It's just bad. It's like lazy tackling. They're they're not even trying. I I don't know. It, it was a frustrating win. I'll take the win. But if the Chiefs play football like that again against a contender, there's no way the Chiefs are winning that football game. Yeah, my, my biggest, like I said, my biggest takeaway from the game was is the offense was not scoring enough points. Um, it was it was frustrating to see them struggle as much as they did uh, against an inferior opponent to get in the end zone. On the defensive side, I will agree with you. The reason why the defense looks as bad as it does at times when it comes to tackling and things of that nature is because the defense in the second layer of it gets worn out when the pass rush can't get to the quarterback. You're, you're, you, when you can't get to the quarterback and that and the and the quarterback's able to step back and just throw and pick apart the defense, that defense is going to start getting worn out. And you're right. That is dangerous. That's where Frank Clark and Chris Jones have got to get better. I mean, Frank Clark, once again, just absolutely just abysmal. Non-existent. Non-existent in the just game. Not, yeah, just not there. And, and, and the worst part is – it isn't that he's just not producing. It's the fact that if you watch the film, a lot of times he's just kind of standing around, yeah. and it's very it's very upsetting because he was going against he was going against tight ends a lot of times. Now I'm not saying there aren't good blocking tight ends, but when you're a pass rusher that's making over a hundred million dollars, you, you probably should be able to beat a tight end every once in a while off the off the block. You should probably be able to get past him and get some pressure on the quarterback. But if you go watch the All-22, you go watch the film of this game, you'll see many, many times where Frank Clark was getting owned by not just tight ends, not, not just by Noah Fant, who's a big dude, but backup tight ends. Guys, I don't even know, I don't even know their fucking names on that Broncos team. Owning them. Just owning mm-hmm. them. And 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 that the Chiefs, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say they can't win if he plays like that, because I do believe the Mahomes can supersede all that because he is a cure-all in a lot of ways. And as long as the defense isn't 2018 bad, I think the Chiefs can still win the Super Bowl. Because we've always said if they just are average, that they can win Super Bowls. And I believe that is the case. But a lot of our cap structure is invested in guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark. And if Frank Clark's not doing his job, Chris Jones is going to continue to get double teamed. And then no matter what effort he's putting in, he's not going to be able to get to the quarterback. There's just no way for him to get to the quarterback right. when he Frank gets Clark has got to do his job. And now moving into this Dolphins game, uh, a significantly better team against the you know with the the Broncos. Now the Broncos know the Chiefs a lot better than the Dolphins do, 
Having said that, the the, the Dolphins are going to bring a defense much greater than the Broncos' defense. Uh, they're only averaging, I think, about they're allowing about seventeen points a game. Uh, have been very very good of late, especially Xavier Howard has been nothing short of incredible. A defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, he he's flirting with double digit interceptions. Um, so th- this matchup is an interesting one because I feel like this Chiefs team is going into this game facing a throwback Chiefs team, if that makes sense. Tua Tagovailoa right now is looking like a left-handed Alex Smith. He's a dink and dunk quarterback. Now, Alex Smith was more athletically gifted. He could run a little bit better than Tua. But, but just hear my point on that one. The, the, the weapons aren't great on the Dolphins team. They have a really, really good defense. And in the Alex Smith era, the, they relied a lot on the defense to win a lot of games. And there were a lot of close, you know, 17-14, 21-18 kind of games. That's how the Dolphins win games. They're not going to go 35 to 31 against people on a normal basis. Um, the, the Dolphins have only won, they've only beaten one team with a winning record. It was the Rams, and that was an impressive victory. But we got to contextualize that victory. How did they beat the Rams? They forced turnovers. Who is the best team in the NFL at not turning the ball over? That'd be the Kansas City Chiefs. The beautiful thing about this matchup, and I don't want to see, sound like the, you know I'm just trying to be a ray of sunshine when we just talked about the reality of that frustrating you know game against the Broncos. Having said that, the Chiefs actually match up really well with this Dolphins team, even though the Dolphins again have been impressive. They're eight and four, they're a potential playoff team, and they have a lot of young talent. And Brian Flores is one of the best young coaches in the league, and. He is from the Belichick tree, which is if anybody's given Patrick Mahomes real problems, it has been Bill Belichick. And Brian Flores is from that vein. So I know that he's going to come out with some exotic, you know, packages and schemes on the defensive side of making it harder for Patrick Mahomes. And I expect them to play a really good game. But see, the way the Dolphins beat good teams, or I should say the way they've only beaten a good team this year, is special teams touchdowns. And turning and enforcing turnovers on the offensive side. Jared Goff struggled so bad in that game against the against the Dolphins. It was, I think it was three or four weeks ago. And the Dolphins looked like a great team. But when you're going against Patrick Mahomes, you have to hope that he has a bad game. The only problem is Patrick Mahomes does not have bad games. He might have an average game. A subpar game. He might not be hit at his apex. That's crazy that his average games are his worst games. That's what I'm saying. Like like last week, he didn't have a great game. He had over 300 yards and a <laughs> 96 quarterback that's rating. Fucking, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, like, if you if you just paced that game out throughout his career, if he had that game every game of his career, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, think yeah. about that. He would have a better quarterback rating than Kurt Warner if he had that game every single game of his career. Jesus. Like, think about that. So, so anyway... The, the Dolphins, I'm not going to sit here and try to disrespect them because we've done that already this season. We disrespected the, Ra- the Raiders. They gave us an L. We disrespected the Broncos last week. It was a scare game. I'm not going to sit here and say the Dolphins don't have a shot because they absolutely do. They're a better team. They're a better team. The only way, though, the Dolphins can beat the Chiefs is if they keep the Chiefs' offense, not off the field. That's a myth. I hate when people say you got to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field because he can score in, in, in two plays. It's the fact of forcing him to turn the ball over. And he's going to have to turn the ball over multiple times in this game. And just to be completely honest, not trying to jinx anything, not trying to say that it's impossible. Yeah, let's do that real quick. I don't see that happening. 
I don't see that happening. Do I? Could I see Patrick Mahomes having 280 yards and a touchdown and a, and a 99 quarterback rating? Yeah, I can see that being a reality. But I also can see that being enough for the Chiefs to squeak out a victory. And so if the Dolphins are looking to beat the Chiefs, they're going to have to really get Patrick Mahomes out of his nature, out of his comfortability, and I don't know if they can do that. I, I'm not, I just don't think that the Dolphins are good enough. And on the offensive side for the Dolphins, they don't have enough weapons. They are so inept at so many positions. They're one of the worst teams at running the ball. They might be the worst rush attack in the NFL. And the Chiefs need a break because their defense gets beat up on the rushing side of things. They better not get out, get out, go out there and get embarrassed, though, on the defensive side. Now, they don't have Damian Wilson, who's been a really good uh, uh, linebacker on the running game. But this is an opportunity for Willie Gay Jr., to show his worth like next to Anthony Hitchens, who Anthony Hitchens has been incredible, incredible this season. Incredible. Incredible this season. No one's talking about it, but he's incredible this season. You give Willie Gay Jr. an opportunity to go against a weak rush attack, he can start spying on the quarterback. He can start making some things happen. Because hey, if you throw you throw Naughty in there, with the, he's doing That's great against the rush. Frank Clark, Frank Clark and Chris Jones can get themselves a get-right game. And just like last season, you get those get-right games, and all of a sudden this defense starts to click. Now, Tyron yeah. Matthews is going to be a little banged up. I don't know what we're going to be getting from him. But to be honest with you, I'm not afraid of Tua Tagovailoa throwing over the top no, of the Dolphins. See, the defense can, either. I, can, uh, I, I wouldn't mind having him sit down this game. I, I, I wouldn't care. Yeah, you would want that veteran presence there. It, 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 would, it would be greatly appreciated. But I think, I think this could be a game for a Juan Thornhill to, to kind of prove that, hey, you know, I did tear my ACL last year, but – I'm here and I'm ready. You know, I'm ready for that for that next step. I'm ready to step up. And then Dan Sorensen, he's doing he's doing amazing. You can put those two back there. I'm I, I don't I don't see them having any issues against Tua. I, to to be honest with you, I, I can honestly see this uh, this game for uh, uh, Tyron Matthew to sit down. You know, just be on the sidelines, be that support veteran support. And I think Juan Thornhill and Daniel Daniel Sorensen can hold their own in this game. Yeah. I, I really think they can. I don't, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. Uh, and, and, and to your point about Juan Thornhill, uh, real quick, it hasn't even been a year since he tore his ACL. Yeah. He, he tore his ACL in week 17 of last season. Yep. So it, it, in about three weeks, two, three weeks, that's when he tore his ACL last season. So it's incredible that he's where he's at he's right a, now. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take 12 to 15 months for him to really get his body back. Yes. So we haven't even seen Juan Thor, Thornhill really back. The key on the defensive side for the Chiefs, to me, is Lord Jarius Sneed. Rashad Breland and the other and, and Charvarius Ward, Rashad Fitt, and those guys. If they can make Tua Tagovailoa's day miserable, th- I, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. Just for the record, I don't think that the Chiefs are going to win this oh, game no. by twenty-eight points because I think the Dolphins are going to slow this game down. I think I think it, I think the, the Dolphins would will keep the, the Chiefs under thirty points. It could very well happen. It yes. could very well happen. But I also think that the Chiefs are going to keep the Dolphins under twenty. Ooh, because of okay. the, again, because of the, the Chiefs' defense has been very good this season. Eight games this season, they've held an opponent under twenty points. Eight times. Yeah, eight times. Yeah. Eight. It's the it's the most in the NFL. It's not like the Chiefs haven't faced good quarterbacks. They faced Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and uh, I know I'm missing somebody Tom else. Tom Brady. Yeah, and Tom Brady has a lot of weapons. Yeah. And they held them to twenty four. It wasn't like that's a lot of points. So, Tua Tagovailoa, I like him, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback in this league. But he's a check-down quarterback at this time of his career, and they don't have the yeah. weapons. Gasecki, he's an all right tight end, but they don't have that prolific wide yeah. receiver one. They don't have a great running back. Oh, sorry. Unfortunately, with Tua, like with, with his injuries and everything, he's quick to get rid of that ball. So if, if you can have Chris Jones and actually Frank Clark actually put pressure on Tua, 
he's gonna keep getting, he's gonna try and keep getting rid of that ball, and he's obviously gonna make those rookie mistakes. Make him do those mistakes. Yeah. You know, make like put that pressure on him to where like like he has to depend on his arm and, plus, and his mobility. Not to interrupt you, but and before we go to break, this is also a very big game for the Chiefs too because of the fact that now the one seed's absolutely in play. But they win this game, and I fully expect the Bills to take care of business against the Steelers in Buffalo this week. Steelers lose that game. Chiefs win this game, and the AFC opponent, Chiefs take the one seed. Now, I know the Chiefs have a tough, tough game next week against the the Saints Saints. coming up. They can't be looking at that one, though, because that's an out-of-conference game. It's not going to really matter in the grand scheme of things at that current time if they take care of business (sighs) against Miami. I totally forgot about that Saints game. It's going to be well, and we don't know what Drew Brees or Taysom Hill. It's a week after the fucking – it's a week after – uh, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. So it, the Chiefs don't have an easy stretch. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I don't think Andy Reid is that kind of coach that kind of looks ahead. But there's times where it feels like he's got caught looking ahead to the the next week's opponent. And I, you're going up against the number one defense, I think, in the NFL right now. Yeah, number one in the AFC. In the AFC. The NFC? AFC. The Dolphins. I'm talking about the Dolphins. Oh, the Dolphins. Okay. NFC. Yeah, the Saints. The so you're Saints. going back to back. You're going back to back. Number one defenses and it. It's it's gonna be tough. It's if gonna pa- be tough. If Patrick Mahomes goes there and torches both these defenses, you better hand the MVP yeah, before we, the season's over. Oh yeah, we we probably will see those uh, those special packages that uh, uh, Andy Reid likes to draw up. I think we'll see a, a few. This is the of time them. to do yep, it. This is the two opponents you want to do it. Yes, make a so, statement, man. Go out there and get these victories. These are yeah. The Chiefs have to make a statement this week and next week. I'm fully expecting the Chiefs to take care of business this week. I think it's a get right game. I, I said this last week. I know that. Divisional foe, I can give them some justification. This is a this is a big afternoon game. I'm surprised they kept it at the afternoon at, at right at noon. Stop. But you know, the, the the nation won't be watching, but we will be. And I oh, expect yeah. that the Chiefs are gonna go out there and take care and of business. Do their thing, yeah. so, so we'll leave it there because we need to get to you guys. We need to get to the Monday mailbag. Uh, I heard some rumors that there's some pretty decent uh, questions in this one. I think our guy Shaggy oh, Shane's in there damn. a couple times. Decent, not, not good questions, just Great. decent. I don't know. Oh, I, okay. I tried to undersell <laughs> oh, and I, yeah, so. I ruined it. My we'll, bad. We'll get back Fuck. to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we like to do each and every week is dedicate an entire segment to you, the listening audience, for an opportunity to basically take over the show. And uh, every Monday, what we do on the on the, on the the Facebook group, if you haven't joined yet, join on the Spoken on Facebook. It's a group. Just simply uh, request an invite, and we'll bring you right in, and you can join the family and talk, start talking sports. And every Monday, I post that. Uh, it's it's basically just a, a simple post, and you just basically get on there, comment what your question is, what your concern is, your debates, your topics, whatever it is that you guys have in the world of sports, and we bring it up and we talk about it on the show. So, Eddie, let's slide right into those comments on the Monday Mailbag this week. What do we got going on? All right, man. We're starting off with uh, a friend of, friend of the show, friend of the show, 
Got a uh, lot of those. Uh, good old Shaggy Shane. That's the he's the OG right he's there. He's the OG. Uh, I believe he was he the first guest we had in this show. One of them for sure. Um, yeah, actually, he probably was the first ever guest because of the fact that he was the one that was him the, and Clay at the same time. I remember that. Yeah, Clay was there too, and, and Shane's going to correct me as he's listening to this. I guarantee yeah. you. But there was a time where Shaggy came on the show first, like by himself, and then Clay and him. That's came on. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think actually Shaggy was the first ever guest. Um, and, uh, it's, it only makes sense because back in 20, I think it was 2012, he was one of my first supporters on our YouTube videos. So it only makes sense. All right. Let's get to his question. All right, man. Uh, you know how he likes to give us a little backup, Hell yeah. back, uh, backstory to his questions. <laughs> so the chief's interior offensive line sucks at short yardage plays at the goal line, which is another, uh, story in itself. How much confidence uh, do you think both Chiefs offensive guards and center have in themselves for the remainder of the season when Andy Reid refuses to trust them by lining up in the I formation with three tight ends and shove Le'Veon Bell or Daryl Williams or CEH down the opposition's throat with Anthony Sherman as the lead blocker? Oh, as it currently stands, I mean, the, 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 everything's got to be internal. They have to be looking in internal right now, wondering what it is that's wrong with themselves individually. Um I've been somebody that has been saying for over a year now, well, ever, especially since Patrick Mahomes got his new contract extension, that, that the Chiefs have to, under every single circumstance imaginable, they have to build the best offensive line imaginable for, for Patrick Mahomes. You have a $500 million quarterback that you're trying to protect. And we all, all of us Chiefs fans, want to see him play as long as possible, right? We want to see this guy play as long 40 as Tom, years. We want to see least. him play as long as Tom Brady's played, right? Okay, uh, longer. Uh, hopefully, yeah, no shit. If especially if he's still good, the only way that's going to be possible is if we keep him on his feet. Look at all the quarterbacks that have made it to year 17, 18, 19, 20. They're quarterbacks that exist in the pocket. Now I know Patrick Mahomes is otherworldly outside of the pocket, but as he ages. He's going to be doing that less and less because his physical attributes are going to start to diminish a little bit. He's not going to be as quick with his feet. He's not going to be as agile. And he sure shit ain't going to be able to take as many hits as he is at 25 as opposed to 35. So for these next few years, the Chiefs have to build him the best offensive line as possible. I love Lucas Niang. I think Lucas Niang was a great pick for the Chiefs out of TCU last season or this last draft. I think he's going to be good. I think whether he switches or he replaces so Mitchell gonna, Schwartz or Eric Fisher or he becomes a guard, I think he's going to contribute. So you're going to switch him to the offensive line because I think Luke, they picked him up as a defensive. No, Lucas Niang is an offensive lineman. Is that what they got him? Yeah, at? he's an offensive tackle out of TCU. The fuck? He's uh, six. I mean, he's six foot six, three hundred and twenty three. So I think was a defender that um, got dropped and could play offense or some shit like that. Oh, you're talking about is that, was that Mike Dana? I don't remember. I Mike Dana's been playing on the defense. I mean, regardless. Eh, I don't give a um, fuck. Eh. The, 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 Lucas Dana was an early pick for the Chiefs. He was yeah. a third-round pick. And um, I think they have expectations with him. He, he opted out this year because he was banged up and the COVID, and with COVID. Um, but I think in 2021, you're going to see Lucas Dana play a very pivotal role. But it doesn't stop there. And so to, to Shaggy's question – uh, how would this? How should this offense feel right now, knowing that Andy Reid is basically doing everything he can to, uh, 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 you know, uh, get away from them uh, uh, playing that type of offensive scheme? Yeah, that's a problem, and, and they should be motivated just in the fact alone that they're protecting the biggest and greatest asset in the NFL, and quite frankly, outside of LeBron James, the greatest, most valuable player in American sports. So 
It's it's it's. I don't know how they fix it this season. They just better hope that they can keep him on his feet as much as possible this season. And in the draft and in free agency, offensive line better be where they attack early and often because we cannot allow Patrick Mahomes to be getting hit like he's been getting hit over the last few weeks. That can't continue. All right. Next question comes from Billy Hodge. Uh, what's going on with the Chiefs' red zone offense? Uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I, I think that, yes, they do have their problems, and I don't want to downplay it. I, I do think they have their issues. But the issues they have are very fixable. It's it's it, To me, it's game it's play calling. I, I think that Andy Reid has fallen in love too much with these cool trick plays. I think he likes the whole you know uh, smoke and mirror stuff because that's what Andy Reid likes. He's, he's a guy that likes to be clever, and I like it too. When it when it should be executed, if that makes sense, like the Chiefs shouldn't be doing that every single time they're in the red zone. You want to keep the defense on their feet, but at the same time, you want to go with what works. And what is Patrick Mahomes best at? He's best at throwing the ball and getting touchdowns. These little dinks and shovel passes and you know jet sweep motions—they're cool, and I do like them. But they they cannot be every second play, every two to three plays in the red zone. You got to go and throw in the back of the end zone. Give Travis Kelsey a, an alley oop. Let him go up there and get that ball ten feet in the air, and and jump over these defensive backs that are five eleven, six foot tall, and he's six foot five. Go let Travis Kelsey go up and get one. Go let Sammy Watkins go up and get one. Let you know Yelder, just these guys that you know defense is going to be focusing on. Let these guys go out and get get a ball every once in a while. Patrick Mahomes can place that ball perfectly. If you want to see a reference for that, go watch the Broncos game or the the Browns game of twenty eighteen. He was up there throwing the ball up in the air, letting guys get the ball up in the air in the end zone, and it was perfectly placed. Patrick Holmes can do that. That's how the, the, the red zone problems are fixable because we've seen this offense flourish in the red zone, and the talent they have is unprecedented. Yeah, they were one of the best in the red zone. Yeah, exactly. Even last season when Patrick Holmes missed multiple games, yeah. they were still very deadly in the red zone mm-hmm. with backup quarterbacks. So just continue that. How are they doing that with Matt Moore? They were running the ball up. And they were throwing the ball up. Sometimes you have to simplify. Mm-hmm. Overthinking things and trying to get too cute. Sometimes the defense is be like, ah, I see this jet sweep coming a mile away. Tyreek Hill is going to get the ball five yards back. He's fast as shit. But if we if we break and hit that flat before he gets there, he ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Mix it up, man. I know, I know the Chiefs are probably holding some stuff back. I know they're probably trying to keep some things hidden and everything like that. But when it comes to scoring touchdowns, that has to be the number one priority. The first and last drives of the ba- the first half against the Bucks and it did field goals on the one yard line. That is unacceptable. Score fucking touchdowns, man. You're too good of an offense to allow that to happen. Billy Hodge, uh, next question. Why can't we sack a quarterback? It, it's it's effort. I, I think that you triggered him. Well look, we, we we've talked about this a little bit as well early in the show. The Chiefs have the pieces. We've seen these guys play at a high level. Frank Clark had a great second half of the season last season, and he was incredible in the playoffs. Had five sacks in the playoffs. Three games, had five sacks, and he closed all three games. He closed all three games. Frank Clark was insanely valuable, and Chris Jones was an absolute beast when he came back from that uh, groin injury when he missed the Texans game. He was incredible in the play in the Super Bowl. I think he had three batted down passes. Like these guys were insanely good, and when they're good, they're, this defense is incredible. This is a top five to ten defense when those guys are getting to the quarterback. 
But what is it that's 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 it's not clicking? I I don't know. I think to me, if if I took a wild stab at it, I think it's effort. I don't think Frank Clark's putting his best foot forward. I don't think he's trying as hard. I think he got a little satisfied with winning that ring, getting a hundred million dollars within a calendar year. And in all in all honesty, I can't say I blame him because he is a human. And when you get that kind of money and you win a ring your first year with the team. I can, and, and especially when you take on number 55, which, by the way, is fucking cursed in Kansas City, but you take that number 55 and you take you take it to the next level and help this team win a Super Bowl when 55 the year before cost us from getting to the Super Bowl, I can see why you kind of rest a little bit. Well, that rest is over with. He's had 13 weeks to rest. Enough with the rest. Frank Clark needs to start playing football. Chris Jones is getting double-teamed every single fucking play because Frank Clark doesn't want to do his job. That's where it starts, Billy, to answer your question. Frank Clark's got to be better. All right. Last question comes from uh, Shaggy Shane. Ah, I knew he had two. Yeah, of course, man. It's Shaggy. <laughs> uh, so uh, you touched a little bit about uh, on this uh, while we were doing the uh, Miami uh, prediction thing. Cornerback – Xavier Howard of the Miami Dolphins leads the NFL with eight interceptions. How much of a threat do you feel that the Dolphins' defense is to Patrick, Tyreek, Kelsey, and company compared to other defenses that the Chiefs have faced this season? You know, to the naked eye, because like I said, I'm giving Xavier Howard a lot of praise. Um, He's been one of the best defenders in the league this year, flirting with double-digit interceptions, and you always have to admire that because that is so rare in in the NFL, even in a pass-happy league. Um, I'm not I'm not terrified of this defense, and, and and the biggest reason why is because of the fact that the Chiefs have such great weapons on offense and the best quarterback in the world. So it doesn't really matter what like it, they could play the Rams this week, and I'd feel confident the Chiefs are going to go out there and drop 28 points on them. I feel confident about that because this this offense is the, the most talented offense I think in NFL history, with Andy Reid no less. Having said that, it's going to come down to how the Chiefs counter Brian Flores' exotic schemes because he's going to bring that Patriot mentality into this game. And again, as we said earlier in the show, we know who's given Patrick Mahomes the biggest fits in his career, especially in the first half. And that's Bill Belichick, and that's how he plays defense. With those exotic schemes of it looks like he's sending six, seven guys and then four drop back into coverage, and they're playing a soft coverage, you know, all sides of the field. You, you, there's nobody open, and then Patrick Mahomes has to try to hope for a broken-up play where he can extend the drive. And Patrick Mahomes will do that. You will see that in this game where there's an extended play. The pass rush is not getting to Patrick Mahomes, so he rushes to the left, and, and Travis Kelsey breaks his route and gets a 15-yarder. That's going to happen. And that's what the Chiefs are going to have to hope for. But I, I think it's going to really just come down to – the counters. This defense is going to bring it. They're going to cover well. They're going to play, hopefully for the Dolphins' case, they don't try to play man. Because every defense that's tried to play man coverage on the Chiefs this year has been destroyed. Go look at the Buccaneers. Go look at the Ravens. When those te- those defenses try to play man defense, the Chiefs just, and Patrick Mahomes ate their lunch. So I expect Brian Flores is going to have this defense schemed up, ready to go. Do they have the talent? Do they have enough? No, I don't think they do. And I think the Chiefs are going to ultimately pull away and get a victory in this game. But Xavier Howard is a guy you have to respect. You have to know where he's on the field at all times. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to do that. And I think they're going to take care of business. 
That is it for the Monday Mailbag, man. I love it. Great questions, guys. Shaggy, we appreciate it, man. I always love when you bring stuff to the show. I, By the way, real little quick, quick side note. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Clay Windler from Red Tribe Cinema posted the GIF, and Shane posted the GIF as well from the 1998 game, the famous uh, Sunday night football game, Seahawks versus Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in October. It was the, one of the rainiest games. I, I remember I was uh, 10 years old watching that game on my couch with my pops. How rainy that fucking game was. How nasty that game. It was a straight-up mud bowl. And the coolest part was, yeah, the Chiefs got the victory and everything. It was a fun game. But you see on NFL films, Shaggy Shane in his 20s lifting his arms with this most the most like euphoric like high. His face, he's just gleaming. He just smile ear to ear. Like he's he's smiling so wide the back of his neck got wet. I mean, he was – you just see like this – and, and that's, that's Shaggy. Like I, I've told people all the time, you can't tell the story of the Chiefs without Shaggy Shane Williams. He's an OG fan, man. He's He had season tickets in the early 90s. I mean, he was going to games in the 80s when you can walk into the stadium and get tickets. You can't do that at Arrowhead over the last 30 years. But he's you, he did that back then. He was a loyal fan. He's still one of the most loyal fans I've ever known. He's Like I said, you can't tell the story without him. I think it's so awesome and so poetic that they, they captured Shaggy – at the end of the game with his, his huge-ass arms, <laughs> reaching out with his 10-foot wingspan, just so exhilarating. you got to watch it. If you guys haven't watched it, uh, Shaggy's posted it on his social medias on Twitter and Facebook. I think it's I think it's just great. It's only like a three-second gif, but it's just so cool to see. <laughs> you're like, man, he waited all that time. Like, little does he know, in 22 years, the Chiefs were going to be holding that Lombardi, man, You know, for the first time in 50 That's years. That's impressive. It's really cool, man. So thank you guys so much for the Monday Mail. Well, we appreciate it. Eddie, we have... One more other business. What is it called again? Hold, Hold this, ayo. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. to hold this L. What we'd like to do each and every week is finish off our show by handing out some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. Regardless if they're friendly or unfriendly, we promise you that whoever is getting handed the L is very much deserving of it. Let's uh let's get let's get let's get weird, Eddie. Who's uh, holding L for you and why is it F1 this week? <laughs> you know, I was going to go for a W uh, this week. Uh, but God, then you, it, and, you and Trev get, get sentimental in the house, bro. But, but, but there was an event that happened which led to me changing my uh, my thing, my my stance. And now I'm going to give an L. But just because just we're, we're here, the W was going to go to Sergio Perez, Formula One, uh, racing point driver. He won his first ever race after 10 years. 
uh, this past weekend in the Sakira Grand Prix. Um, and he was the the only driver that hadn't won a race. Uh, I guess he holds that record. He hadn't won a race in over 190 races. That's a 10-year span for him. He had never won uh, a Grand Prix, and it all changed uh, last week for the first time ever in Formula One, or second time ever, actually. The Mexican National Anthem was heard over the world in, in uh, a race victory, a race win. So that W goes out to Sergio Press. But this AL goes to a driver by the name of, I believe it, you pronounce it, Nikita Massapin. Well, Femme Nikita, I like it. Uh, now, this driver, he's very young. I think he's like 21, maybe 20. Um Recently uh, signed by uh, Haas. Uh, How do you say Haas? Haas? Okay. Uh, owned by an American. Uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Haas. He has a, a NASCAR car also, like a NASCAR team. Like Roush? You're talking about Roush? Uh, Haas. H-A-A-S. You're talking to the wrong guy. I'm not a NASCAR I dude. Yeah, so he owns. He also owns a team in NASCAR, uh, and then he he created his own team in uh, Formula 1. Yeah, so is Haas. He was uh, so this driver was recently signed by Haas about two weeks ago. Earlier this week, his he he uh, was in hot water uh, because uh, he decided to post a video on his social media platform, knowing that you're going Formula One. Uh, I would say the biggest uh, racing. You can do in the world. F1 is worldwide. And I think it's world, uh, the number one world racing uh, sport. You post this video of yourself sexually harassing um, a passenger in this car by grabbing her breasts. Um, that... That doesn't that doesn't sit well with me, um, and it shouldn't sit well with any any anybody else. Sexually assaulting, sexually harassing a woman, uh, it's not okay. Uh, she has she has come out, defended a uh, Nikita Massapin, saying that they're they're childhood friends, uh, that she was the one posting the video because she thought she saw it as an internal joke and whatnot. I don't. I don't think that's it. Uh, a lot of people are like, "Well, you know, this clears his name." Uh, for me, it doesn't, because you can you can clearly tell that though, though the woman was uh, a friend of theirs, you can clearly see in the video she didn't want to be touched in her breasts. Uh, she covers her breasts, trying to like stop him from touching him, and he finds a way and grabs him. And then she flips him off, right? And that's where the the video ends. Uh, like I said, she came out making that statement, saying oh, it was just a joke, uh, a joke between them two. That they do that a lot. And no, I, it shouldn't sit well with uh, the FIA Formula One sexual sexual harassment, sexual assault. It, it's not okay and. He needs to 
to uh, have severe consequences because of it. Uh, Haas did report saying that they do not support or stand with the actions that that happened in that video. They they're pretty much saying that they don't agree with anything that happened in that video. Friends or not, it's not okay because you're 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 this face now. Uh, kids are looking up to you now. If they see that you do that with your friends, they're going to think that's okay. So Haas says that they're going to resolve this issue internally. Uh, nothing official yet. A lot of fans, including myself, of the sport, are in a way demanding him to pretty much lose his, lose, lose his, seat, his seat in Formula 1. There's just no place for it. And it, it triggers me every time I think about it. It, it. It's just, it doesn't sit well with me. And I don't think it ever will sit well with me. So for that, Nikita Massapin, you're going to have to hold, hold this L. L. That was uh, well said, Eddie. Um, <clears throat> mine, of course, is going to be on a wider note a little bit. But that, <laughs> what you said needed to be said, man. Uh, I'm, I stand with you 100% on that. Um I, there was quite a few people I could have given this one to. Uh, I could have given it to Colin Cowherd. Uh, I, in fact, I was even kind of planning on it, uh, even coming into today. Could have given it to Kyrie Irving. Uh, could have given it to Paul George. Could have given it to a lot of folks, man. Um, but I, this one's going to uh, the New England Patriots. And it's not like I'm surprised by how things have gone. Uh, because I was the one that told you guys from the very beginning, I didn't believe in this team, Cam Newton or not. Hey. The only one that believed in this team was that was guy Mr. that's Trevor not here. Coincidentally, yeah. he's not here tonight. Yeah, exactly. He just got shellacked by the Rams. <laughs> it's not he even, planned this shit. It's, yeah, it's not even that they got destroyed by the Rams because I saw that coming too. I had them beat, you know, the, the Rams holding them out of the end zone initially, and I was right. It, it's the fact that this is now, and I know there was opt-outs. I know this is an unprecedented season. We didn't get fans, all those other things. But I think to a certain degree, this is this has shown – to, uh, Bill Belichick's vulnerability. Now, in the same breath, I know he's done a pretty decent job of coaching this team up, but you can see the glaring deficiencies. Even when he didn't have a from from having a forty two year old quarterback to now, you see the glaring deficiencies. Now, Cam Newton has what eleven rushing touchdowns this season, which is really good, but he has five, I think, five passing touchdowns and like eleven interceptions. That's like Drew Locke bad. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty disgusting to see how how far they've fallen. And I think that Cam Newton's actually – there's a chance he'll be back next season as they have a quarterback in waiting, which is going to be hilarious. Carson Wentz. But it, it, it's – you have all the cheating scandals of Bill Belichick, and you have all the highs and them just dominating an entire league for 20 years for them to now be at the bottom. I mean, I say the bottom. If it wasn't for having such an easy-ass schedule for the majority of this season, the Patriots already have 10 losses. It's it, it's embarrassing. They get to play the Jets twice. You know, they've played some bad teams down the, down the stretch and some mediocre teams. Whenever they face good teams, they've lost. This team sucks. The Patriots suck. And there are people that were talking about them potentially making the playoffs uh, as, of, as of the last couple of days. This team got exposed. And they continue to get exposed. 
And I don't know how the hell anybody's bought into them. And I think that Bill Belichick, I think his legacy at the end of all this is going to be diminished a little bit. I know they've won Super Bowls, but again, with the cheating scandals and with the way he's coached without Tom Brady next to him, it says something to me at least. And it means something to me at least. And for that, they're going to have to hold a particular letter in the alphabet. So do me a favor, Mr. Bill Belichick and the New England Clam Chowders, and (laughs) hold this L! Fun show tonight. Great show. Ten years, man. This is this has been it's it's incredible. I mean, ten fucking years. Uh, I can't say I've done the podcast for ten years, but if you go to YouTube and look up the Spoken Lance the Spoken, you'll see hundreds of videos of just training camp and just recaps and and chief. Honestly, content. I'm gonna have to do that because I don't think I've ever uh, seen. You'll your, see me without a beard. First of all, you'll like, see me in oh, a weird ass narrow kitchen. Um, and I'm just recapping Chief stuff, man. I, there's a video that uh, went viral, actually, uh, when I was calling out Scott Peely, the then Chiefs GM back in, I think it was 20, this was 2012, 2011, when I made this video, uh, back when I was working Nebraska Furniture Mart, crazy enough. I made it in one of their conference rooms. And I got a chance to call out Scott Peely, and a lot of fans were mad at me about that. And that's actually how Shaggy, Sh- Shaggy Shane and I met. He was in my comments saying, hey, man, you know, like, Let's give Castle another chance and all that stuff. But he wasn't bashing me. He was he was respecting my opinion on this. And I like to think that I was 100% right on how all that played out. It was a, it was devastating. And Peel ended up getting fired. Castle got released. This, 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 this. And now we are where we're at. I made a lot of friends along the way through all that. I made people don't like my takes. That's cool. I mean, it's the world of sports. That's going to happen. You know, not everybody has the similar style and similar approach to how we do things here. But we do things the way we want to because that's who we are. And we, I feel like we've got a really a good group of people, man, a community here at the Spoken Podcast and the Spoken Group and on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, man. It's it's so cool to, you know, I'll be at a at a uh, a shopping center, I'll be at Target or something, and I have a mask on, so I don't think anybody will notice. Or and I have somebody, hey, man, I follow your guys' work. I mean, that stuff that that's that is so humbling and it's so great and it and it means so much to me that people give a damn. And so, you know, I don't want to keep rehashing on it, guys. I just want you to know that this means everything. You know, it, 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 this this is something that I've really put a lot of, uh, of my time and energy in. And more importantly, other people have given this thing time and energy. And that's what makes it great. And I really hope you guys understand that this, this is uh, very important to me that you guys care and that you guys want to be a part of this. So I want to thank everybody, every single one of you that's listening, that, that has watched and has followed and has participated you guys are what makes this happen. You guys are what makes this possible. And you guys are what makes this fun. And I cannot say that enough. And I'm very much looking forward to the next 10 years of what we do here at The Spoken. And uh, I really hope you guys stick around because uh, we're not going anywhere. And it's going to be an absolute blast to be able to cover uh, this Chiefs dynasty as Patrick Mahomes' career continues to move forward. And, and, and I really hope that you guys enjoy what we do here. And we're always open to suggestions and um, whatever you guys want to see you know, out of us. Um, if you guys think that we can do something better, let us know, man. We're, we're not too proud to, to hear what other people think or feel about stuff because we know that there's other people out there that have great ideas and great intellect and great uh, great viewpoints on the world of sports. That's why we do this. And uh, I highly recommend you guys follow the rest of the KCPN uh, content providers as well. We get some really good shows on KCPN, man. Not just sports-related either. We got a lot of culture. Um, uh, Run Your Mouth podcast, my dude, Matt Marlin, is, is a great show. It is so underrated. 
And and I definitely recommend that one for you guys, if the, the hip hop heads out there that look for hip hop culture and 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 up to date things like that. I think that there's a lot of great shows that we have, and I hope you guys enjoy it. But in the meantime, please, I hope you guys enjoy your weekend, uh, enjoy the Chiefs game this weekend, enjoy football because there's some really good matchups, guys. Um, and, and hit us up. Let us know what you guys thought of the episode. What you guys think of what's going on in the world of sports? Monday mailbag, hit us up. Uh, but in the meantime, for Trevor Twiddle, who's been absent tonight, but always has time to take selfies of him looking at his watch. Uh, for Eddie Ortiz, for Gat, for Clay Windler, for my guy Shaggy Shane, who I love dearly. For all of you who I love dearly and I appreciate, this is episode 94, Lance has spoken, or Lance on the Spoken Podcast, signing off. We out of this pitch. See ya! We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired fitness celebrity Billy Blanks. Okay, everybody. Our car just got a broken windshield. How about we blow off some steam? Now punch. Now kick. Uh, Mr. Blanks, there's no need to be stressed. Geico makes it easy to file a claim online, on the app, or over the phone. Yeah, but what if I never hear back? That's going to make me want to go jab and jab. Uh, nope. Your Geico claims team is always there for you. Okay, do I still get my post-workout protein shake? Sure, Billy. Geico, great service without all the drama. We all know that the only way to top the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew is with velvety new sweet cold foam from Dunkin'. But how do you top that? With an exclusive offer for DD Perks members. Get a medium chocolate stout cold brew with sweet cold foam, cold brew with sweet cold foam, or cold brew for $3. It's the perfect deal to top off the perfect top to the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew. Doesn't that sound great? Not a DD Perks member? Join today via the Dunkin' app. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer.